But I, I, I wonder as well whether there's something about how for young people, especially young people who are coming together and joining things like the youth climate strikes and groups like Extinction Rebellion, whether their, their ability to speak and take action about the climate change means that it becomes a more salient issue. It doesn't mean that they therefore are more likely to be struggling with the anxiety around this. It actually might mean they're coping better, you know, that, that, that they are engaging in a, in a healthy response by, by talking about it and taking action. Welcome to Two Minutes to Midnight, a global podcast for a global problem. My name is Julia Bonner. And my name is Ayushi Shah. Today, we will be talking about climate anxiety. And to guide us through this topic, we have with us Dr. Nick Hartley. Nick works as a clinical psychologist in the NHS and also campaigns for the Green Party. He is interested in how we can draw on ideas from psychology to better communicate ideas around the climate crisis. His work also focuses on how to help people respond to this issue. Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. Our first question to you, of course, is what is climate anxiety? When we talk about climate anxiety or eco-anxiety, as it's sometimes called, um, we're not saying that this is a pathological response to the climate crisis we see around us. We're saying that it's an understandable response to the, the threats that we see. So when we, we hear facts like, you know, we're putting carbon into the atmosphere a hundred times faster than any time in the last 800,000 years, or when we hear the World Bank saying that in the next 30 years we expect to see um, 150 million people um, being displaced, then of course that's going to lead us to experience distress when we really try and grapple and understand what that means for our future. Um, and it's not, not just anxiety as well, but other kinds of feelings. So often it, it might be called anxiety, uh, so eco-distress rather than eco-anxieties. And so I think when we think about eco-distress, it, it can present itself in all sorts of ways. But what I'm making very clear is that the feelings themselves are not pathological. They're telling us something about what's gone wrong with our world, what's going wrong with our environment. And I would say it's it's a if we turn into it, if we notice those feelings, it can lead to action and, and, and lead us to, to call for, for the change that, that we need. How does climate anxiety affect us in our everyday lives? There's a link there between how we respond to end of life and how we respond to the climate crisis. Yalom talks about how anything that brings us up against the limitations of our existence um, brings us into contact with the fact that ultimately we're mortal and that, that we'll die. Um, that we have freedom of choice, but that also we struggle to find meaning from on high. We have to make our own meaning. And ultimately, we can feel like we're on our own. We have this sense of isolation. And I think climate, I think climate anxiety brings out all of those issues, actually. I think that, that's, that's what we, we will notice is that we'll start to feel um, very disconnected from people around us at times. We'll start to feel that we can't really trust that action can happen. Um, there was a, a survey this week in, in, on, on BBC's Newsround. It showed that about 20% of children were saying that the climate crisis was having an impact on their ability to sleep and on their appetites. And that's what we would expect to see as a consequence of, of anxiety. 
But I, I, I wonder as well whether there's something about how for young people, especially young people who are coming together and joining things like the youth climate strikes and groups like Extinction Rebellion, whether their, their ability to speak and take action about the climate change means that it becomes a more salient issue. It doesn't mean that they're therefore are more likely to be struggling with the anxiety around this. It actually might mean they're coping better, you know, that, that, that they are engaging in a, in a healthy response by, by talking about it and taking action. I think we need to be careful here that there might be times where anxiety really gets in the way of us living the life that we want to live. And when that happens, accessing therapy, accessing support from a GP and, and health services is really important. But most of the time when we think about eco-anxiety, we're thinking about what does that, what do those feelings, what do those thoughts tell us about the world? And so really it's only by starting to talk about it with other people, starting to connect with other people and discuss this, that we can start to make changes. Have you personally faced similar anxiety or worry around climate change? I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm human, you know, so we all will experience anxiety. I, in um, the kind of therapy that I'm, I'm most versed in is acceptance and commitment therapy, which is a third wave cognitive therapy. And actually it was through my ACT training that I, I really started to think about what matters to me because I was noticing that I was getting more and more frustrated by working in an environment where I was offering one-to-one -one support for people, but actually seeing that the cause of people's distress was broader, more systemic. And I wanted to think about, well, how do we take action on those issues? Um, and that's what led me to join the Green Party. I think for, for people listening to this, it, it could be so many different ways that they take action. It might be that they, they want to think about joining party politics. It might be that they want to start thinking about joining other community groups. But that, that's the really important lesson here, I think, is we, which is if we are in distress, if we are struggling, if we can start to open up and talk about it and think about what can we connect to so that we're not trying to get rid of these feelings, we're trying to use those feelings to help us live the life that, that, that is right for us. So there always is this general stigma around like mental health. But what would you say to those who do not take climate anxiety seriously and think of it as a passing issue? I think it's, it's often the case that when people aren't taking climate anxiety seriously, what they mean is they aren't taking climate change seriously. Um, what we're seeing at the moment is a lot of warm words about the need to take action. But I worry that words are being uh, a substitute for, for taking action. We need to start investing in public transport. We need to change the way we heat our homes. We need to change the way we, uh, well, the, the, the way we eat, the way we live, the way we work. All of these issues that you're talking about on this podcast. You spoke about how children are having trouble sleeping due to climate change. As you are a politician yourself, what can policymakers and governments do to address climate anxiety better? Yeah, um, so I think the first thing is the government needs to take action and also start treating climate activists with the care and compassion that they deserve. I think that needs to be at the heart of it. Um, I think in a broader sense though, in terms of what can, the, what, what can we do to address climate anxiety, 
I think there is something about public engagement here, actually. It's not about, I wouldn't say it's necessarily about therapy, because as I say, we're not trying to cure or treat the anxiety, but we're about helping people connect to others who also want to take action. And so, you know, that's part of why I like the idea of citizens' assemblies, actually, because the citizens' assembly approach brings people together who may not all agree, and of course it's a random selection of people, but it gives you a chance to really thrash out these issues, hear from experts and learn. Are there any apps, websites or groups that you would recommend to our listeners to follow so to help them deal with this anxiety? I mean, the, the best site I've come across um, is the Climate Psychology Alliance. Uh, Caroline Hickman is a, a psychotherapist who's involved with the Climate Psychology Alliance. And their website says a lot about the kinds of things we've been talking about today, about understanding what climate anxiety is, um, recognising it as something that's normal, um, and also a way of thinking about how we can take action. Um, Extinction Rebellion have a great main list that, that they put out regularly, so if, if people aren't on that, I'd encourage you to get to get onto that. Um, and, but joining, joining with groups, because actually, yes, the web is useful for, for finding out some information, but it's only by coming together face to face um, that we can really start to feel able to cope with the understandable anxiety that, that, that arises when we think about what's happening around us. What tips would you give individuals facing climate anxiety? I'd start by saying really take some time to, to notice what are those thoughts and feelings that come up for you. You know, we, we live really busy lives and it's easy to just try and push it to one side. But we know that the more we try and push feelings away, the more we try and put them in a box, the stronger, that the stronger they can become. So I'd encourage people to take time to really notice what those thoughts and feelings are and to ask themselves the question, okay, what do I then want to do? What is it that's important to me? What is it that, that I value? Um, I mentioned ACT earlier, acceptance and commitment therapy. I, I do think that's a good model um, to think about this through. Uh, Russ Harris has written a fantastic book called The Happiness Trap. Um, that is a, a self-help book based on, on ACT principles. It's not about climate anxiety, it's just really about the human condition and how we live with these difficult feelings that we have as part of being human. I'd really encourage people to check his work out because I think that's a great introduction to understanding more about how we can live with our thoughts and feelings and, and take action. Um, also, this, this book by Joanna Macy and Chris Johnston, Active Hopes. I'll say this book, it's a podcast, you can't see that I'm holding it here right now. Um, but again, it, it, it reminds me so much of, um, of, of Russ Harris's work, actually, and, 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 and around ACT. Uh, there's a, a phrase in ACT uh, from the originator, Steve Hayes, that in our pain, we find our values, and in our values, we find our pain. And, and in, in Macy and Johnston's book, Active Hope, it's very much about that, you know, it's turning into what we've lost, connecting to some of the distress that will come up for us and thinking about what that means for us and how we can live better lives as a consequence. But in terms of the most important tip above everything is talk about what you're feeling. Um, the more people talk about this, the more understandable and acceptable it will be to say the climate crisis gives us worries, gives us anxieties. What about those who have friends, family or acquaintances, you know, who are dealing with climate anxiety? 
how can they help or support them? Listen, um, you know, if, if you know someone who's struggling with this, make time to listen, you know, pour a cup of tea, sit down, really find out what's on their mind. And, you know, you'll be prepared to learn something as well. If you're, I mean, I imagine, you know, people who are listening to this podcast are going to be really involved and engaged with issues around tackling climate change. Um, but I'm sure they will also realise that by hearing it from someone else's perspective, it will start to shift the way we see the problem. And that's, again, the benefit of more people talking about this, is that we, we, we can learn different ways of, of, of responding. Um, so, you know, holding on to that empathy, holding on to that compassion, um, not uh, wagging our finger. You know, if people are struggling with it but are still um, eating lots of meat and, you know, buying cheap clothes and uh, driving a lot in cars and taking a lot of holidays on planes, um, you know, it's understandable that the system we are in makes hypocrites of us all. You know, we are all going to fall imperfect. I certainly do. There's lots of things that I do day to day that I that that make me cringe. That 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 bring that anxiety out in me because I, you know, there are many things that it's very hard to do something about. I mean, I mentioned there the fact that I have a car. Um, you know, I think the, the way we eat. You know, that's you know, if if you're looking to get something quick, it's really hard to get something. Um, that, that's ethical. Um, so, you know, all, all of these issues, it, it's, it's important to hold on to that compassion, that care, knowing that we will fall short, but giving someone a space to talk about these things just starts to open up the conversation and helps us think about different ways forward. Lastly, is there hope with the crisis, in your opinion? Yes. I mean, we have to. Um, you know, otherwise we kind of fall into a sense of nihilism. If we listen to the climate scientists, we can take the action. Um, I, I think that science allows us to turn into the facts of what's going on. And then that science allows us to say, okay, these are the plans. These are things that we need to do. Let's push our politicians to make those changes. Let's connect with each other to push the politicians to make those changes. And that's what can give us all hope. And that's not hope in a delusional sense. It's what Joanna Macy and Chris Johnston call active hope. Time for the tips. So this week's tips are based on suggestions by Dr. Nick Hartley. Just a reminder, the tips are in varying intensities, so you can follow them based on where you are in your climate journey. Tip 1. Check out the Climate Psychology Alliance to understand climate anxiety better. Tip number two. Sign up for Extinction Rebellion's mailing list and get involved whenever you can. Tip three. Join an environment-focused community group in your area. Thank you so much for listening to episode five of Two Minutes to Midnight. Please do follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Minutes to Midnight Podcast.